Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the Coin Press Podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today, I'm joined by fellow Luke, Luke Molks, <laughs> VP of Business Operations for Brave Browser and Basic Attention Token. So welcome, Luke. Hey, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Yeah, I really appreciate taking the time. <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, so today we're talking about uh, Brave and Basic Attention Token, which we'll get into that in a moment, uh, but specifically about user privacy and monetization uh, while maintaining privacy and accessibility. So, uh, so Luke, could you go into a little bit just explain for anybody who's not familiar what is Brave? Yeah, absolutely. So, so Brave kind of starts as like a, a browser, right? But it's really because everybody uses a browser, right? And and and, um, and it was founded by uh, co-founded by Brendan Ike, who created JavaScript back in the '90s, and then he also uh, brought uh, Firefox to market when Internet Explorer was kind of similarly large to what Chrome is today, right? So so you know familiar with kind of bringing a, a challenger to market um, and and you know pioneers of the internet. And it's not just Brendan either. We have a bunch of folks like uh, Brendan who are early days internet uh, developers that are working at Brave, but it really. Cool. It, it, it's a simple principle, right? Like um, what we're trying to do is kind of restore the web uh, to people in a restore the user first principles for a web, which means, you know, you're, you're keeping the user's priority first. You're making sure that their choice is first and that you're actually like a, a, an agent for the user um, uh, accessing the web. And, and the problem is that so much of that has gone away with other web browsers and with, uh, with web browsing in general, right? Like you've got like a small amount of groups that are kind of like have these very high walls that are barriers to entry and are collecting information without users even being really aware of it. Um, and what Brave does is it basically stops all of that from happening and, at the onset. And then it gives you control over wh who you share your information with and when and, and all of that. But, um, you know, and there's a lot of benefits that come with that. But it starts with the browser, right? Like you end up having a much cleaner web experience. You use less bandwidth, save data, save battery life on mobile. Um, and then, you know, we have BAT, which is kind of the basic attention token, which is integrated in. And it's a new way to, for creators and uh, to monetize this for advertisers to advertise with privacy and uh, and for users to actually earn with their attention, which is kind of a new concept for, for the web at the scale that we're at. Yeah, very interesting. Um, I, I think, so So a lot of people here use Chrome. I think that's the majority browser still for most people. Um, and a lot of people still use an ad blocker, uh, but that doesn't cover everything that Brave uh, blocks by default. And that's something you have to set up separately. Um, so, so yeah, it, it's cool that that's just native built into the browser. You download it and you're, you're covered. Um, so, so let's talk a little bit more about basic attention token because the, the idea here, tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm <laughs> misexplaining this, uh, is that, uh, you know, if I'm using brave, then by default, I can opt into being, dis being shown advertisements and, uh, advertisers are paying Brave uh, to to get attention from people, mm -hmm. and then uh, when I give my attention to their ad, I'm rewarded with this token, this cryptocurrency. And then, um, if somebody else, uh, if there's a creator who uh, who I use their app uh, through the Brave browser, then my earnings of of basic attention token or BAT can then be distributed to uh, creators that I appreciate. Is that 
Yeah, that you did a really good job capturing it. I think, you know, we we let creators verify with, with us, you know, which is basically them proving that they are who they say they are. Uh, so, you know, if you have a YouTube channel, anything from, and, and the definition of creator has changed, right? Like it initially was like publisher. So if you had a website, you know, you could verify your website with us. And then, you know, we, it's basically this auto contribute feature that's uh, on when you turn ads on. And it basically, you know, is autopilot. So as you're browsing the web, the browser locally knows where you go and then at the end of the month it, it distributes that to the verified publishers that in, or creators that you visit but what we've done is different you know we've introduced tipping features so um, inline tipping uh, or, or tipping in the url bar so if you're on a site and you want to send a one-time tip we can let you do that um, and then on twitter and on reddit and github uh, we, we introduced inline tipping so on twitter and brave there's a a bat button that's uh, on the tweet next to where the like and the share and all those buttons are. So you can actually directly tip somebody for their tweets in the, in the browser, um, which is cool because you're seeing this progression of like, what's the definition of a creator? It's going from like this, like traditional older uh, uh, style publisher model to like, Oh no, if I'm creating content like on Twitter, I can get, you know, uh, I can get rewarded for that. Or if I'm creating, you know, uh, open source code on GitHub or contributing to that code base, I can get rewarded with that on, on those uh, channels as well. And so, you know, the, the, it's a way that, you know, the, the advertisers basically funnel the money into the system and the bat into the system that the users get. And we give 70% of the revenue back to the user. So I think when we talk about user first principles, it's even with how our business models are, are created in that we're keeping the user in mind with the revenue share and we're giving them, you know, basically equal to or better than what we would get. Right. So as brave. So it's part of our core principles that, you know, our founder has been really big into, but, um, but it's something that differentiates us from, from everyone else. Because if you look at what has happened with the web and advertising, Google, like, you know, over 90% of their income streaming from advertising, right? Like that's off of your information. So like all these huge, just huge, just loom escape of mess, and the ad ag industry has been created off of the back of your data and information. And you haven't really gotten anything out of that beyond, you know, access to pay them more or something like that. You know, like, like there's not <laughs> the user's been left out of that equation, basically. Um, and it's become a business requirement, which is not really great for privacy or for agency or, you know, having having a decentralized web right so um so that's kind of where we started but i think you know the interesting thing about that and and you know i worked on the white paper with the team and and my background was in advertising and startups before i came to brave so you know you could see the writing on the wall back then that okay if there's anything like meaningful privacy like legislation that gets passed in the europe or, or in the u.s this whole thing's like a house of cards waiting to fall down. And, um, and you know, that's what basically happened with GDPR. And so, you know, people didn't take it really seriously at first, but by the time people did, we were really well positioned because if you look at what's happening now, like Google keeps kicking the can down the road with how like, okay, we're going to deprecate third-party cookies and the browser, you know, and that keeps getting extended. Meanwhile, like, in April of 2019, we put Brave ads into market um, and users were earning bat from viewing advertising. And, and it's not just regular advertising. Like the advertising model we created is private by design. So like it all works off of your device instead of having servers in a farm somewhere making these ad decisions for you. Like we put, you know, machine learning models on your browser that basically has a catalog and figures out the right ads from that catalog to serve to you 
independent of third-party ad servers, right? So like this is all happening on your device. Your information stays there, doesn't leave. So it's like, so private advertising with this crypto model built in, which are two really big things on their own. And we've kind of put them together and they've been in market for years now. So like now we're like really kind of just kind of beating the drum and letting people know about what we've got out there. You know, we've been turning this into like a, proof of concept that it into like a $50,000 a month advertising business into like a multi-million dollar revenue stream for the business. So it's like, it's also been kind of a progression on that front too. And, and, you know, while Brave's grown to like 50 million over 50 million monthly active users. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, that's really good. Um, I mean, if you've come from traditional advertising background on, on the web, it's, it's a pretty stark contrast, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, where, it, you know, if you're dealing with ads, um, you're not seeing any of that profit. Uh, and so, and, and the privacy aspect is r- ridiculously different because, you know, if I have, um, if I want to see ads that are actually relevant to me, because sometimes I like being advertised to when it's the right thing, right? Um, <laughs> I have to surrender my data. So I have to say, I, I don't want privacy in exchange for these better recommendations. Um, so being able to have both reasonably matched ads to your interest and privacy is pretty cool. I don't see. Yeah. It's great for us. And I think like, you know, it kind of comes down to, again, giving the user control, like we, our basis is just that it's not advertising is not inherently a bad thing. There's a lot of value in advertising, uh, obviously, right? Like, because you have companies like Google that have emerged because of it. Um, But, uh, but also, you know, there should be better controls over these things. Like, I think, you know, one of the things I started noticing that was, was really apparent when I was in advertising was that, you know, these things are getting marketed to children. They're getting, you know, schools are integrating more and more laptops into the curriculum. And this was earlier, you know, like early 2011, 2012, 2013. Right. And so you started to see that happen and you're like, there's nothing here stopping anybody from just collecting all that data on your kids or, or, or gating that at all. And, you know, there, everybody was just so focused on the revenue part that, you know, a lot of important things were getting overlooked. And it was really like, there's no system that's like got a good guardrail without requiring you to give them more data, which is like not the right way to think about it. Like we're in 2022, there should be ways to like, if my my cell phone has more computing power than the first, you know, than the Apollo mission, then I think that like, you know, we don't have to say yes or accept that we have to have surveillance, uh, you know, economy in our lives in order to have an internet that is great to use and a value add to everybody. I think that, you know, it doesn't have to be that way, but the problem, is that all the incentives were in line in the opposite direction. So it took somebody like Brave to come to market as an independent player to basically be like, look, like the status quo is whack. We're sorry. We can't accept what's going on here. We're going to make a new system where we can effectively match things or even better, like uh, without having to compromise on, you know, user first principles, right? Like, and I think, you know, we're doing the same thing with search too. Like we released a search engine last year it's a similar situation with search and advertising. If you start to look under the hood, it's all a very small set of companies on the search side that power a lot of search engines that are on the on the web today. And there really isn't a strong independent index of uh, a search index that's separated from you know all these big tech, 
handshaky deals, things happening behind the scenes, right? Like, and so that's kind of what we did with Brave Search too. But Brave, then you get a shift from Brave being kind of this batteries included browser that you know protects my privacy and has all these great benefits to like, okay, this is a privacy first platform where I, if I want to start to kick big big tech to the curb i've got some solutions here whether it's like video conferencing or you know vpns or you know uh, browser advertising wallet etc like i've got a place where i can start to decouple and and stop feeding this big data machine you know and 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 kind of take these these uh control this control back like one one product at a time gotcha very cool <laughs> one second my kids are coming. uh not right now you guys <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm uh, usually the guy with the kids. That's part I of know, right? <laughs> uh, I think that's a first here for for my kids to come up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, cool. So yeah, it, it, striving to be a platform where um, privacy is first. And I think that, <laughs> I mean, if you look at every other company out there, it, it's nothing like what you see from the traditional web, right? Um, I worked in consulting for a while and we did a lot of like feasibility studies of, you know, what's possible with the data we have. And you can get away with a lot of really creepy stuff. So it's, not, <laughs> it, it's uh, it, you have to dial it back and say, well, okay, just because that's possible doesn't mean our users will like that, right? right. So you have all that data and you could do that. Um, but, you know, it, it's weird that, uh, companies just get away with that because oh. they can't. Well, you should have seen the tickets we had, like from from big name companies of like, well, hey, we'd also like to get this, this, and this, and it's like, yeah, you could get that. <laughs> I don't feel yeah. tonight about that, but you could, you know, like as these things get more and more deeply integrated, like into the device, and that's the thing that's like the trade off, right? Like you, everybody talks about cookies. It's like, okay, we'll get rid of third party cookies. Well you're not shifting how the fundamentals work. Like they're just going to get a deeper signal. That's more pervasive, like a device ID or, you know, uh, some other identifier that, you know, or they'll start to dig into fingerprint printing, which mo most did once Apple put intelligent tracking protection out there, like, uh, or prevention, whatever they're calling it, ITP. Um, once that got released, a lot of mobile vendors started to really dig into device fingerprinting, which is like a harder to mitigate. So okay. yeah, you know, the market shifts. If you don't change the fundamentals around the economics of it, like you're not going to, you're just going to get a better wrench instead of a worse one that does the bad thing worse. Um, but you can hand wave and say, Hey, we've gotten rid of cookies. And it's like, okay, like, stop authenticating me into your browser, dude. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. the other level, right? Like, that's where this yeah, stuff yeah. is. The profit motive is a great motivator uh, for good things and bad, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, let's talk about that, actually, at the, the profit motivator, right? So Brave, correct me if I'm wrong, but you still make the majority of your money off of advertising, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's correct. So, um Obviously, the uh, the ads are all private. You know, I, I, you don't know which users are seeing which ads. Um, but do you have any data either that you collect from your advertisers or or something like that on like conversion rates or or engagement rates or something like that for and how that compares to the industry? Yeah, it's a great question. So, like, that was part of that was one of the really first first things that when when I came on, it was like, look, guys. 
we're blocking all of the ads and the tracking, which is great. But like the thing that we have to realize is that when you part of that reason for that tracking is accounting, right? Like, and, and so right. we have to be able to account for things in, in a privacy model that makes sense. And so what we did was we created our own reporting protocol um, that uses a privacy pass protocol, uh, zero knowledge proofs uh, and, and double blinded tokens, right? Which is basically a fancy way of saying we can we can record that an event happens uh, without identifying it and making it linkable to a single user. Um, and and you know this is getting more and more popular now in the blockchain space now that you have Ethereum going to this rollup plan where like you know people are talking about you know zero knowledge rollups and, and all that stuff. We actually had that in market with ads like years ago. Um, and and even when we had break payments, we were using the Anonize um, uh, zero knowledge proof protocol back then. And so that's always been an important piece of this is that. One, it, the reality too with advertisers is that they don't care that you individually did something. They're just looking at their KPIs or their metrics, right? So they want to just know what the click-through rate is. They want to know how many conversions they're getting. That's data that you can provide them that doesn't have to invade the user's privacy. So what we've done, we created every the top of the funnel all the way down to like a conversion event. And then for some advertisers that want it, we can even provide them, you know, verified order conversions on our end where we're able to map and, and report on events that happen anonymously without the user being linked to them at all and then and then because they're cryptographically you know secure we can basically like you know give the that data back to the advertiser and show them because that's all they really care about anyway like if they want to really know who you are they'll put an email address in a form for you to give them which will clearly make you known to them right like and and if a user does that that's a user electing to give that information so like we don't stop advertisers from saying hey you know fill out your email to get more info or whatever because that's user generated you know information that they're willingly giving where we stop it is basically like creating a base accounting for this where we can report events without linking them to individual users so that's what we've had in production for a couple of years like since our ad platform launched um even before that with with publishers uh, because we had you know zero knowledge model with that too um so yeah so that's been a very important thing you can't build this business without having you know accountability and uh reporting um and so that one of the challenges was like getting something like that to market. But um, now that it's out there, we're, we just keep building on top of it. Very cool. Um, and then just for listeners who maybe aren't quite as technical, don't know how zero knowledge works. Um, there's actually a great video uh, from Wired uh, about zero knowledge proofs. Um, but a rudimentary example would be uh, if you have a little coin bank, right, with a, with a password or a, a combination to get into it. Um, I can prove to you that I know the combination without revealing the combination. If you put, you know, a message in the bank, then I can open it up and read you back your message. Um, so just, <laughs> I know there's a lot more to it, but yeah. Yeah, no, this is a great example. Another good one too is, um, is kind of like blind voting. So like, you know, you might have ballots for A candidate and B candidate, and then everybody gets in line, but nobody writes their name down, right? Like, and then submits their ballots and then somebody aggregates all those counts up. You know, similar model, right? Like where, you know, we can prove things that happen. And ultimately with us, it's been more about, because the advertising space kind of goes down into these rabbit holes of like, acronyms where you're you've got like oh this latest designer tracking thing that we're doing is so great like give us more money for it where our focus because we're not on that side of the business our focus has been very much like look we need to be able to prove the return on investment to the advertiser so like if we can make metrics that can drive us 
right to the ROI of that, like then an advertiser, we're going to make those concerns that they come into this moot because we're focusing on the prize for them anyway. So whether that's like showing that the brand recall is good or, or, you know, proving that people are buying things, right. Like stuff like that, where as a browser, there's all sorts of inputs that we can, you know, fire events from uh, and do it with privacy, you know, in mind, right. Like um, to, to prove that return on investment. Cause ultimately that's all, all this is. And, and, and with an advertiser, we're really at this stage, even like going in and we're selling them a platform. We're not selling them ads necessarily. So it's like a lot of this is kind of education on like, here's what brand does sorry we can't use some of your toys here but like we have you know alternatives that get you the end result that you want anyway cool um what are some of those uh i don't know features that people coming from traditional advertising are looking for and um what are your your replacements for those for for the end result yeah i mean a lot of this tracking too is is based on like the average typically like a publisher would have an ad on their page. They would have a vendor that, you know, fires an event when the ad goes off to prove that something happened on their side, the agency that's serving the ad would have their set of reporting. So sometimes you'd have like five or six different vendors measuring the same event, which is like grossly inefficient, but each one of those vendors is also collecting user data. Right. So like fundamentally it was like, let's get the views clicks and then, you know, landing page visits uh, recorded and let's do so at like marks like where people are staying on the page long enough to where it's it's meaningful so um you know advertisers have this viewability benchmark where they say okay if something's been on a page for one to two seconds or you know yeah, and some have a more more strict uh rule around that then we'll consider that viewable so what we did is we said okay view impression click it, or if the user lands on a page for 10 seconds we fire an event um, because it's way more than two and just to kind of show like in about 10 seconds the users absorb the page they can get a feel and if people bounce before that then we know that people bounce before that right like the big sure. one that we started to deliver for them were conversions. So like they wanted to know, okay, like how many signups could we gone from here? How many subscribers have gone to our YouTube page? Like, you know, how many people bought this thing? So we set up a conversion event metric for that um, that gives you either click through conversions or view through conversions. And we do that for up to like a 30 days after the user viewed the ad. Um, and then, you know, this verified order conversion uh, piece is the most recent one that we've added where we can even like, you know, privately, um, uh, you know, pass order IDs that have gone through the system, like uh, uh, back to the advertiser to prove that orders that came through came from our users. That was a big ask from advertisers. The rest of it is yeah. like, you know, a lot of it's like kind of just making sure that we're, we're fundamentally getting them what they want. So like um, sometimes there's ways where we can help them like handhold a little bit to get them an outcome. And, and a lot of this is education, but what we tell advertisers too, is it's like, a lot of this is you helping us to build out this new way of doing things too. So it's a very kind of like early, especially early days was a pretty hands-on process with them. And now we're getting more towards the area of like doing self-serve, which is where we're headed next. And, and, you know, we're going to be adding search ads too. So like there's, you know, these big table stakes buckets that we're going to be adding uh, uh, for more advertisers and for people to get in and start trying these things out, you know, in the months ahead. So we're pretty excited about that too. Very cool. Um, I'm curious, are your, your rates for advertisers, are they, I mean, assuming competitive with, uh, other advertising platforms, um, are you, you know, lower, higher, where, where do you position yourself? We tend to be a little bit higher, uh, mainly because like when we know that we have like a valuable cohort of people that are, are viewing this, cause 
with ads with us, you know, people are earning from them if they opt in. Right. And so, you know, you've got a, a good set of people that actually want advertising. Um, and so also like, it's also been interesting because when we first launched, especially, you know, you're dealing with the audience that, uh, numbers that you have. So our audience demographics have been changing as we've gotten larger and larger. So the brands that we start to put in will evolve with that too. So like a lot of early days stuff was like crypto companies because crypto was getting, outlawed at all the major ad tech companies you know basically when we launched the ad platform we came out and said we love crypto we want to advertise cryptocurrency and see this you know industry grow because also we have our own token <laughs> but um you know and so we were really eager to get folks in we have vetting processes for you know crypto projects and things like that but um but yeah the, the pricing is a little bit more expensive than what people typically pay mainly because they're reaching an audience that they can't reach otherwise and then you know but over time the pricing will balance out like it does get to a steady state with with more and more people especially when self-serve launches but but for yeah. now yeah and some of the ad units we have too are pretty nice like we have this new tab page unit so when you open a new tab in the browser every fourth image is a sponsored one and that's shown to basically everybody like and that's like a really like flashy like you know one brand runs in there per day per country so you know some of those placements are more expensive than like notification unit that we have but then we introduced a brave news ads uh you know inline ad so like a display ad that shows up in the news feed so like there's ranges in pricing and and what we've seen a lot of is like advertisers kind of coming and getting a whole package with us where they'll say, okay, like let's run like every, every unit and see how it goes basically. But. Sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That makes good sense. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> the, the people who are using brave probably aren't seeing ads otherwise. So if you right. want to get those eyeballs, um, that makes good sense. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the accessibility of the experience. Right. Um, so you mentioned like, you know, the ads are displayed uh, to uh, you know, in various placements uh, within the browser um, your uh, your advertiser experience isn't particularly, I mean, it's not self-serve yet. Um, but the really these experiences are tailored and, and iterating uh, for the different, target user groups. So I'm curious how you think about uh, accessibility just in terms of making the privacy and monetization experience um, more readily accessible to average users, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very top of mind, right? Like I think that um, one of the things that's been really interesting is, you know, especially when we first launched the ad platform, so like take yourself back to like 2019 is, you know, we had people passively earning crypto from viewing ads with basically one or two clicks, right? Which is as far as friction goes in the blockchain space, I guess like really low friction, like it's still the lowest bar. Yeah. And now we've grown to having millions of people do that. But, you know, the natural follow-on question is like, what do I do with this bad? Like, and, and so then you want to kind of find out like how, what percentage of the user base is like, altruistic and is is contributing back and then like what features are you putting in place that will make the other people like have some extra value add right so we've been working with partners we had one that we made a storefront with called tab network um that uh, it's available for users that verify their wallet with uphold which again is a really high friction point so like one thing that's been really exciting to see with the advent of nfts is that um you know and and with us releasing our own wallet which is a self-custody wallet so um it is the ability to start looking at like an nft based model for this stuff 
stuff. So like we're exploring that because you NFTs are known for like being collector's items or artwork or JPEGs or whatever you want to call them. Um, but the stuff that gets me really excited about NFTs are, is the utility angle. Like you can use them to get a reservation at a dinner, you know, or you can use them to access a room or to, you know, to buy a subscription to something like there's all this other value or, or for loyalty programs, things like that. So it seems putting a lot of focus on this now, like how, what are ways that we can like, you know, introduce NFTs for creators? What are ways that we can make NFTs accessible for users and make it something that they can like hold or trade with their friends or like use, you know, to get backstage at a concert or whatever, right? Like, and so some of this has been, these things have been gone through phases too, where it's like, oh, we're super excited about it. But then, oh, wait, like it costs $200 to do anything on Ethereum today. Um, That doesn't scale, right? Like, um, but over the past year, (laughs) over the past year, we've seen like, all these alternatives pop up in market, and we've also see like the the uh, layer two on on Ethereum like market develop, and so we're getting to the point where we could dust off a lot of the old plans and, and start to look and see like. And we announced a partnership with Solana back in November, where um, you know we're going to be integrating them into our wallet. And like when you have something that has that throughput, and 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 you know most transactions cost less than a cent, like um, you know then you can start to think about this in respect of like millions of users using crypto like right. in, in, on chain, right? Like which is kind of where we're going with this stuff anyway. But accessibility is key, but you have to have like one of the downers uh, of the past 12 months has been to see like my neighbors, like people that I baby boomers, right? Like people that I people that were telling me that this was going to illegal and going to be brusted up by the authorities like two or three years ago now doing one-on-ones with me to help me have them buy crypto like on the phone right right? like which is like it's cool i'll have a million of those because it just is job security every time you have one right like but um but at the same time it's also been a bummer to see so many people especially like you know getting into nfts because they've been nfts have been this like mainstream bridge but then get there and say whoa i can't even afford the transaction for this so it's like your first brush with crypto is like wait, what is the point? Like, it can't, it's cost me like so much money to do anything. So like for us at Brave, like it's super important to start, if we're going to be putting this open for millions of people, like it has to be accessible. It has to be easy to use and, and it has to be affordable. Right. Like, and so uh, we're blockchain agnostic as a, as a company, but um, we're, we're looking at solutions that we can integrate that will make things more accessible for everybody. Cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, it's a really good point. Um, a lot of what I talk about around blockchain accessibility has to do with the cost, right? Yeah. Um, because when you're dealing with a hundred dollars for a transaction, it's you've just priced out the majority of the market. Everybody, <laughs> unless you're <laughs> mega whale or something. Right. Exactly. Um, cool. Yeah. So let's talk. Let's talk more about decentralization, blockchain aspect. So it seems like Brave has really hit hit it off with the the crypto community right there's a clear cultural product market fit there um i mean you have a a wallet integrated uh with the browser um i don't know if you're doing anything uh around decentralized identity uh with like an oauth type you know login with google login with brave wallet <laughs> type yeah. of thing um uh but i mean there's very natural progression there of you know, the browser and the ecosystem and thinking of yourself as a platform to what people in the crypto community are already looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah, um, as you think about all those different 
features, uh, a lot of the things in blockchain are highly technical, mm-hmm. right? So right. you're you're if you're already in the space, it's exciting and you get it. Um, but there's definitely a little bit of education and a little bit of simplification that needs to happen for non-technical users. So, I mean, I'm sure you have a perspective on this, but what are your thoughts on 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 that? Uh, well, right? uh, yeah. it's make or break, right? Like you're either going to have this amazing thing that had great potential, like that never grew out of this, like, you know, purest cohort that like is super technical. Like it becomes like one of those Rube Goldberg things where it's like, you know, excess. Um, uh, you're, you're either going to have that or you're going to have something that everybody's using like email, right? Like, and and we fall into yeah. the latter camp. Um, we've been pragmatic with our approach to like blockchain because there's been, we're one, we were like one of the few companies that actually had a product before we did our token sale. So, you know, we've always had to be pragmatic with, at the time when we did our token sale, none of the regulators had said anything really about crypto at all. And so, um, you know, once they started talking, we had to kind of make sure, okay, like we're at least with the stuff that we're, we could get, you know, need to be wary. We're making sure that we're playing clean and, and above board. Um, that said, I think like, you're absolutely right. Like th- things like, you know, authenticating, right? Like the, the wallet is basically letting you sign for things. Right? That's basically what you're doing. Like you should be able to do that on any site you go on. I think Brave as a browser, like has a best opportunity here because we've got users' attention, whether they're thinking about transacting in crypto or not, but we also have their, you know, they're also experiencing the web through Brave. So we can start to pull people in with web three features as they're brought on. So whether that's things like, you know, having a vanity address, like an ENS name or a dot soul address or whatever, to make it easier to send crypto to people because you remember what the name is um, or, you know, things like signing into sites, right? Like these are all things we're working on, working toward, right? Because, and, and whether it's us directly doing it or working with partners that are established in the space, that's what we're doing. But where we see ourselves as being really beneficial to the space is like, look, we turn crypto, passive crypto earning into two clicks, like with ads, like we can take those learnings that we've taken from that and apply them to the wallet in the browser. And so, you know, you've got the browser, wallet and search, and then you've got like this marketing vehicle with ads to kind of like, you know, grow the space. Like you really start to see the economics of this thing play out, especially if we can get some of the table stakes right. So like where a lot of focus right now is on like, okay, zooming out. Maybe we want to have parity with what other crypto wallets have in the market, but really like that's not the main thing. Like you want to zoom out and you want to say like, look, like what do we have that's really different from what an extension can do, right? Like, and you've got like, of online users are making e-commerce purchase, right? Like imagine if we can start to like by proximity, bring crypto closer to those people. And, you know, you find people are either diehard into this or they're hearing about it and they just want to buy and hold some crypto or they hear about an NFT thing that their artist made or whatever. And they want to buy that. Like let's make the paths very easy for those people like, and and supporting these things in the challenge is that like, you look at a wallet and it's like, at first it's, it's a one word thing. It's like a wallet, but it's like super complex. There's a lot of different facets to it. Like we have swaps, we have, you know, purchase options, send, receive all these things. And then that's not even talking about like DeFi and NFTs and all of that that go on top of it. So it's, 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 it's exciting. Like it's exciting that we could bring this to people. It's exciting that everybody that's on Brave now has a self custodial wallet and, and, you know, it's on them to turn it on and it's on us to kind of, 
show them why to, but like, that's pretty empowering, like for people, for the space in general, because I mean, I think for me, when I talk to people about this, if they're not already into NFTs and what I try to sell them on is like, look, like DeFi has made it so that you can take dollars and make 8% interest on them. If you want, like, I'm what are you making on your high yield savings account, like less than 1% and you're paying for it. And and you don't have to pay for it. If you're lucky enough to have $20,000 in your account, like DeFi is none of that. Like, like the benefit of crypto is you get rewarded. Like you don't pay for You pay for the transaction, but you don't pay for the privilege. Like you get rewarded for the participation. So like, you know, I think that once you bring that in front of people, if we can show that bit to people easily, then like, it's a no brainer. Like if you can present it in the right way, then you're talking about like mainstream adoption, right? Like, because, you know, if we can do that, nail what you can do with payments and and other things like that, it's like, this is ours to lose, but you know, every one of those things is technically difficult to do. Like, but um, you know, the the other tricky thing with what we're doing is like, not only do you, we have to compete with convenience, but we have to do it with privacy, which is a whole new angle too. And and a whole new benefit to our users. So those are the things that we're kind of thinking about. Like we're trying to think bigger because we're in a position where we can, um, you know, like not very many crypto apps have 50 million monthly active users like we do. So it's like a different conversation that we have with companies basically. For sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit all the talking points I love. (laughs) Um, the, uh, the, I mean, the, the fact of the matter with wallets is, you know, even if you can do all the really cool stuff you can do with a wallet, um, you still have to know <laughs> that you really got to take care of that, uh, that seed phrase. Right. Right. And so education around just being a good custodian of your own wallet, um, it, that's hard. Um, yeah. so yeah, I mean, we, over on the uh, the Coinos side of things, we talk a lot about smart contract wallets and um, you know enabling uh, things like account recovery in a decentralized, privacy focused way. So I, I think the the whole industry and, and what's possible with crypto is headed in the right direction for usability. Um, but that cost aspect is it's hard to get around. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean you know we we kind of found each other through through coinos yeah. um, <laughs> um but yeah like that's getting rid of the the cost aspect is uh th- that's huge right you you have to do that in order to enable accessibility at scale yeah and and these are like not i mean the the, the industry has basically i'm not this is probably too much of a blanket statement but the, the, the industry basically ignored usability right like for a really long time and mm-hmm. it's funny because i used to look i used to just like when friends and family would say hey i want to buy crypto i used to just be like go here's coinbase go do this it's simple you know it's not like that anymore like the bigger they got i i walked and uncle through in law through this like where it took us two hours just to get it to the point where they could buy crypto and they're retired right like they, they're not they're not any risk um and and when they got to the point where they could spend it was like you can spend 50 dollars a week and it's like this sucks like what what did i just you know like this is not easy this is not what it used to be and i understand why you know like you know custodians have 
more regulatory scrutiny and all this stuff and fraud, et cetera. But like we, they actually saw an ad for brave ads when, when they were, you know, off the phone and they're like, Hey, look, we saw that you could buy from your wallet. And I'm like, why didn't I just tell them to try it? But I was like, Oh, well, I had this mental model where self custody was too hard for people. And then right. I realized I was like, wait a minute, like this cohort, like retired aunt and uncle have they do their financial statements online with a notebook next to the computer and they have a gun safe so they understand like how to do these yeah. things you know at the core and we had them they bought crypto on brave in like 15 minutes and then when i see that 15 minutes is the best option i'm like that sucks we need to make it like you know two or three minute thing like it needs to be just really easy if you want to get to scale so like I think that in the meantime, you know, the the early mover advantages will still be there, like to get people fired up about it. But these are major hurdles that in some cases have only gotten worse with time that we need to make better. So I think that like that's a big thing on our end is like usability. Like how can we like really and that's where being a browser is helpful because you've already got people using it. The designers on the browser are familiar with like catering design for everybody from grandma to degen, right? Like all these people have to use a browser, right? So like if we can start to put those pieces together and make a really seamless crypto experience for people in a browser where they're not even thinking about it, it just works. Like that's the win, right? And and then, you know, if you're doing that with something that's self-custodial, that's an even bigger win because the really interesting thing that, for, that I've seen the past seven weeks has been like a bunch of tinfoily abstract use cases for crypto have all played out in real time at the nation nation state level, where it's like, you know, there's like trucker convoy stuff in Canada and people having, you know, custodial assets frozen or, uh, you know, uh, being, you know, uh, Russia where, where, you know, the rubles tanked and like, you know, people need a shelter or Ukraine where people literally need a shelter and, and they, there's a humanitarian crisis and, you know, crypto is a way that people can kind of, you know, help to ease those. All all these different things are playing out right now and uh it, it's really interesting because like not that long ago like i, I just went to eat denver in february but I, the last time i'd gone there was in 2018 2018 they were handing out bumper stickers that said like cryptocurrency is not a crime we went from cryptocurrency is not a crime to joe biden giving an executive order on <laughs> cryptocurrency basically saying it's here to stay and here's our you know, federal position on it, which is a very big contrast. And, and it, it just shows you like the market's huge and, and there's enough value here to make it relevant to the White House. So right. you know, we're, we're, it's on us to make this easier for everybody now. Exactly. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything to add. I think you <laughs> talking points that I love, so we're good to go. Yeah. Um, cool. No, I, I really appreciate that. Luke. that, that is a, a very useful perspective to have on here. So, um, yeah. So I guess going forward, uh, obviously what everybody needs to go do now is download brave, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> set it up and, um, uh, you know, use the wallet, play around with basic attention token. Um, but if anybody gets stuck, where can they find you and reach out for help? Yeah, yeah. So I'm just a uh, Luke Mulks on Twitter. That's my handle. It's also that on Telegram. Uh, we also have, a, if you have general browser issues, you can go to community.brave.com. But my DMs are always open and we always want feedback. And we're also at github.com slash brave. Um, we're open source. So uh, if there's any you know developers in the audience that are interested in like, helping or they find bugs or contributing or whatever, like we've hired some of the best people on the team through GitHub. So, um, you know, like everything's open, um, accessible, say hi. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> cool. 
All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we're just about out of time here, so wrapping up. But yeah, thank you again, Luke. This was a great discussion. Really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always for a fellow Luke, for sure. <laughs> All, right. All right. All right. Well, astute listeners may have noticed uh, that we have Luke on this week instead of Bloomer. Um, that will was rescheduled to next week due to a scheduling conflict. Uh, but yeah, tune in next week for a discussion about wealth and crypto. So join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.